Hey, this is Vanessa. I'm the Prevention Services Coordinator at King County Sexual Assault Resource Center, or KSARC. This is Building Resilience, a project with the purpose of equipping people with what they need to end sexual violence. So far on the show, you've been able to hear my amazing colleagues talk about really useful tools for building strong parent and child relationships. As a preventionist, I love having the opportunities to share their expertise because strong family relationships and emotional health and connectedness are both identified as protective factors for both victimization and perpetration of sexual violence. What that means is that working on strengthening caring individuals and caring relationships is contributing to the prevention of sexual violence. KSARC's Family Services Specialists work to support parents and caregivers of youth who have experienced sexual assault and abuse, and this is a service that is so incredibly important and necessary. Considering that child sexual abuse is very prevalent, um, there's so many other family members out there who are hurting because their young person is hurting. If that's you, I encourage you to reach out to your local community sexual assault program for support because you are not alone. This episode is a conversation that I have with one of KSARC's Speakers Bureau members who was a former client and recipient of KSARC services. Heaven Struthers Randall is now passionate about sharing her story and spreading awareness of sexual assault and abuse with hopes that we can end it for good. As a heads up, this episode contains discussion of child sexual abuse, domestic violence, and mention of suicide ideation. My name is Heaven Struthers Randall. And I'm a mother of uh, four children, recently five. I just got married uh, in, in September of last year. Congrats. So, yeah, super fun, really busy, um, always on the go. So that's kind of where I'm at, who I am. <laughs> awesome. Before we hopped on this call, Heaven was telling me all the all the daily activities she's up to, um, just supporting her kiddos. And um, sounds like y'all have a really great relationship um, well, yes. from what I've heard so far. So, Yes, we're very close. Um, and all of my children, they're just really supportive of one another, um, as well as myself. And uh, when tragedy struck in our lives, we, I just kind of took things in, yes, we're family, but... Um, I also kind of came to them as us being a team. And I think with that mental or that mentality of that word, it makes a big difference. And so ever since then, um, we are a team. So, yeah. That's so great. <laughs> yeah. Um, support is just a huge, huge piece of healing from, like you said, tragedy um, can you tell us a bit about kind of what happened and how sexual assault maybe touched your lives? Sure. Uh, this, well, our tragedy struck about seven years ago. It was seven years ago in March. And I had been going on for about eight and a half, nine years behind closed doors that I had no idea what was going on. Um, I adopted my niece when she was six and a half and I was married at that time uh, to my husband. So we both adopted her together, but I'd had her for at least, well, since she was one and a half. So we were on about five years of her being under my care and uh, the sexual assault and abuse had begun around the age 
for her being seven, mm-hmm. seven and a half years old. And at the time we lived in Georgia, so it was a totally different state than where we are now here in Washington. Um, but it had began back then. And when we moved to Washington, when she was about 15, uh, it continued here in this state. And uh, just so happened that um, the abuse got really, really hard this week leading up to uh, when tragedy struck. And I was taking care of a family with special needs children and all of the rest of my kids are really good friends with this family's children. So I had everybody with me except my oldest daughter because she uh, wasn't feeling well that week. And um, so I was away from the home when a lot of activity had happened. And there was a moment where she ran off to a friend's house and uh, had texted me telling me that she was going to be spending the night at her friend's house. And, you know, we're a family of, you know, we don't do last minute changes like that, especially when I'm not home and um, unable to kind of see the situation or make plans. So um, I had asked her to go back home and, you know, we'll try to figure this out when I returned, but she seemed very, very upset and distraught. And I couldn't, you know, put my finger on what was going on because it was just not her normal, typical behavior. And so I had called my husband at the time to see, you know, if, there was something that happened, if he knew what was going on. And he just kind of had mentioned that he was having a rough evening and um, he was talking to her and that he told her that he had wanted to commit suicide. And it kind of shocked me because he had never mentioned these kind of feelings or any kind of depression in the past. Um. And I was kind of upset with him, you know, telling him, you don't tell that to children. You know, if you need help, you know, call 911 or talk to the neighbor across the street or, you know, because I wasn't there or to call me right Mm -hmm. away. Um, It's just not something you talk to children about. Mm -hmm. And so I just had assumed that maybe that's what startled her and she felt unsafe and ran off. Well, when I had pulled in and during all of this going on, I was finishing up, you know, taking care of the family. I was watching um, and leaving and loading up my children to come back home. And so I'm driving home and we're almost to our house. And there was about, you know, five to six police cars around the corner with their lights on. And, you know, I was thinking, oh, you know, when we get home, you guys, you go straight into your room, you know, or go straight into the house. And um, it looks like maybe they're looking for a bad guy, you know, mm-hmm. someone that they're, you know, just kind of searching the neighborhood for. And because um, it was dark, it was about 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night at this time. And so we pulled around and parked into the driveway and uh, my oldest son ran straight into the house. And um, my youngest daughter was asleep. And at that time, the oldest daughter was home. She had told me she had gone back home. So I knew she was safe, you know, in case they were looking for someone. And um, my younger son was 
still in the car with me. But um, as I had pulled in, the police were running on foot following my car. And so when I got out and was in my driveway, you know, I saw some officers and I said, oh, you know, hi, can I help you? Do you need to get into my backyard? You know, and they, they said, oh, you know, we're actually um, looking for Mrs. Barnett, which that's who I was at the time. And they said, are you her? And I said, yes, you know, how can I help you? And then the whole conversation that I had with my husband on the phone telling me that he mm-hmm. was feeling suicidal, I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, something happened. Mm-hmm. So um, they had asked, you know, me some questions. And I said, well, this is what I know what was going on this evening. You know, is there something else or, you know, how can I help you? And um, they had asked for the rest of the children to stay in the car, you know, until they were finished asking me questions. And um, they were asking if I heard of any kind of uh, sexual assault. And I said, no, you know, I, you sure you're talking to the right person? I don't know what's going on with those kind of questions. Um, they said, well, we got a 911 call from your daughter's friend telling us that, uh, you know, Sean Barnett was sexually abusing your daughter. And I was like, what? You know, I had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. And at that time, my um, husband at the time walked outside and which was kind of weird because he wasn't that kind of a person to kind of help with the children much. Mm-hmm. So for him to be outside, basically to offer to help carry them in the house was weird, but um, it was perfect timing because he was outside out of the home um, and they were able to kind of take him off to the side in the front yard and ask him questions while the rest of my children and I were able to go in the home and be safe. And so um, when we were able to go inside, they asked me to bring me to my daughter, Anna, and her room was downstairs, which was right also next to um, his office where he worked from home sometimes. Um, so I brought them to her. They stayed with her asking her a lot of questions. They brought me upstairs and continued asking me questions and somewhere outside with uh, my husband at the time. So. It was kind of a whirlwind. Um, I was in complete shock. I didn't know what to think or what to expect or um, kind of a scary moment um, as I waited to see what was going on. Um, I was able to put the rest of my children to bed. And I just kind of, as the officers left me, because I had no information to give them, um, they just kind of, you know, either went outside or went downstairs with my daughter and, um, I just paced the whole upstairs back and forth. Um, I remember just kind of cleaning the house randomly because I was just overwhelmed and stressed out, didn't know what else to do. Um, and I just sat there waiting. And it came to be about one o'clock in the morning that they came back upstairs and told me what uh, my husband at the time had admitted to and he admitted to sexually abusing and assaulting our daughter. Um, 
he only admitted to the oldest daughter at the time. Um, and I was completely floored. It was kind of as if the whole floor was glass and it just shattered out from underneath me. And I remember just being so numb and uh, speechless. Um, they had wanted, I, I had asked them, you know, can I see my daughter? I need to see my daughter. I need to make sure she's okay. And, you know, they kind of wanted to wait and see if I was going to be supportive of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I have learned through all of this is that a lot of parents aren't, unfortunately, um, which is so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just wanted to wrap my arms around her and reassure her that we're going to be okay and let her know that, you know, mama was going to handle this and, um, you know, just, just, I don't know. At, at the time, it just was so shocking that I couldn't imagine or fathom not supporting her. Um, so when they knew that I was in support of her, uh, they let her come and see me and she was scared. She was scared of our future and what we were going to do without, um, my husband at the time of him being around. Um, and, you know, I said, you know, I didn't ask her much at that time because she had been asked so many questions already and was, you know, apparently it was apparent in her body language and in her face that she was overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, but she had to leave the home for a certain amount of time um, to allow my my ex to come back and hand over any evidence or anything that he needed to. So um, I had to call a relative that lived close by and have them come and pick her up. So that way she was safe and out of this situation at the time and, um, and protected. And uh, when all this was going on, he was actually driven off of the property and taken down to this, the station and, and booked. So, um, what was so crazy when that was happening was uh, I could actually feel this really weird, evil feeling leave the house with him. Mm. And when I look back at the police report and the time of his departure, what is so ironic is I had looked to see what time it was. And I remembered, um, you know, that time and feeling that weird, feeling um Mm -hmm. it was the same exact time he was being pulled away so all of that yuckiness actually left the home and there was a peaceful feeling um all of a sudden and at that moment is when i knew that we were going to be okay um that nothing was going to be holding me back any longer um or my children back in any way so um, that's kind of the story of the, when the tragedy hit, um, mm-hmm. but it had started way back when we lived in Georgia, um, right when I had just given birth to my second son. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of uh, health issues with him. I was in the, out of the hospital with him for that first year. 
I had health issues in recovery, having blood clot problems. So I myself was also in and out of the hospital a lot. So it took my attention away from the home mm-hmm. aspect and it allowed him to creep in and take advantage of our daughter and um, continue that behavior moving forward because of all of the many health issues that followed years mm-hmm. after. Um, and I did ask my daughter, you know, a couple of days later, you know, what, what made it to where you couldn't feel comfortable to come and talk to me and, um, you know, let me know what was going on. And she said there was one moment she was going to come and tell me, um, but I was also pregnant at that time with my youngest daughter and she was coming towards me to tell me and, um, and then got scared and uncertain of our future. So Mm. she didn't tell me, but I said, well, what kept you, you know, quiet for so long? You know, what was it that, you know, he was feeding you Mm -hmm. to where you felt you couldn't trust me or count on me as mom? And she said, you know, all these years he told her that if she were to tell me, then I, you know, or if, if he were to tell me he'd get in trouble, he'd lose his job and he'd lose all the medical benefits that her brothers needed to help them with their medical needs. And because we were such, you know, in support of needing medical Mm -hmm. insurance, um, and my son was needing surgeries every few months at that time, she kept silent. Oh my gosh. And so he was very good at the manipulation mm-hmm. and playing that game of, um, you know, just feeding her what she needed to hear um, that would keep her quiet. Mm-hmm. So when I heard this news, um, I was livid mm-hmm. and very, very upset. And I reassured her that we didn't need his health insurance from his job that no matter what moving forward, we would still have medical insurance and the boys um, will get the, the support that they need medically. So to not worry about that, because even, you know, weekend, she was still very concerned. How are we going to, you know, how are the boys going to get their medication that they need? How are they going to have surgeries and all this and that? And, um, I just had to hold her and look her in her eyes and just say, you know, we are going to be okay. These things are not for you to worry about. Mm-hmm. These are adult issues and you're still a child, you know, and, um, all I need you to do is just worry about you and make sure that you're okay. And I will take care of everything else. So, um, she didn't, totally quite um she heard me but it was very hard for her to trust that Mm -hmm. which you know makes total sense you know because the people she had trusted meaning like her her father at the time um she couldn't trust him Mm -hmm. so um it took a good year for her to really realize and trust that i had it under control 
Um, but every time, you know, something would come up, I had to show her, mm-hmm. you know, see this bill, you know, it's getting paid. It's, mm-hmm. we're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. She wanted to have that kind of evidence for herself to reassure that, you know, her saying something was okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and that was seven years ago and wow. here we are, you know, and they're doing great. Oh, yes. I, well, first, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, wow. And I, I so appreciate that you were able to be supportive in those moments and to understand where your daughter was coming from, right? Like naturally her, her sense of trust was betrayed and, you know, you, it sounded like you were really patient with her and understanding that. And yeah, how much weight was on her little shoulders at the time. Right. Oh my gosh. And yeah. Um, yeah. Um, the fact that you were so supportive just from the very beginning was, was a game changer. Yes. Um, yeah. That really, that really helped her kind of start off the healing process. Um, it makes a huge difference. Um, Yeah, I've worked with a lot of parents that, you know, find it hard to believe that maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, their partner had perpetrated abuse on their child. Yeah. Um, So I'm curious, like, what what made you believe your daughter right off the bat? And there was some weird behavior leading up to this day, like, for at least within a month time frame. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, he was acting really meanly towards Mm -hmm. even the boys. Um, it was baseball season. The season had just started and I was trying to get them into playing ball, you know, some kind of sport. And, um, he was a very controlling type of person Mm -hmm. and he really didn't want them doing anything. And so any kind of sport, even musical instruments, it was always a big, huge ordeal. And um, I had found a way for them to play a sport for free. And um, he was fine with that. But he, even the way he talked to the the boys was kind of like very demeanoring. Mm. Um, My oldest son has Tourette's. So he was like, you know what are you going to do out there in the field? You know, you're going to be ticking and you're going to miss the ball and you're not going to, mm. you know, be able to play. All the kids on the team are going to make fun of you. And, wow. you know, you're, you don't want to play baseball. And he told her other son, you know, he's got a cleft lip, a cleft palate. So he's like, well, you know, kids are going to bully you. You're not going to make friends on the team. They're going to, you know, look at you and, you know, just kind of outcast you. So why wow. would you want to play? Mm-hmm. And I was so... I remember hearing this conversation going on in the other room and I was so mad. And at that time I'm like, you know, this is done. This can't continue. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just such unacceptable behavior from mm-hmm. a parent. Yeah. And I told myself, you know, I, I have to figure out a way to get us out of here. Mm. Um, Cause even like the financial aspect was very, very controlled. Um, mm. And 
I didn't have any kind of bank accounts. I was told that, you know, my credit was bad. There's no way I could have an account. Um, so I believed this for 13 years. Mm. And so for me at that moment to say, I have to figure out a way, I, I literally in my mind was like, I need to figure something out mm-hmm. and figure out a way how to leave. Thank you and for I, sharing that. Yeah. yeah, it definitely sounds like he had this pattern of controlling behaviors over very much. you and your your children. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, thank you for speaking to how how challenging that can be to, you know, parent with that mm-hmm. and also keep your children safe and, you know, yeah. emotionally safe too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's not easy to do. No, and when you're such in a huge shocking situation like that, it's mm-hmm. even hard to think straight. But um, no, I knew right away that um, it was a horrible situation for my child to be in, first of mm-hmm. all. Um, and then to be on the outside and not know was a horrible situation um, as a mother, mm-hmm. you know that you couldn't protect your child. Um, even, you know, when you're, the person is in the home, you know, and not Mm -hmm. see as, see a sign of any kind, but, um, he was that good. Mm -hmm. He was that good. And, um, it's a shame, but, you know, we've been able to kind of get on the other side of it now and get through it together. So, yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like you all are in a, a great, beautiful place right now um, with, you know, your relationship as a family. You said you're a team. Can you kind of speak to how the healing process was? Because I know it's not easy, um, but it's possible. And I it don't think possible. a lot of people consider that. Yeah. So um, that first morning, um my other children had woken up and there was officers in the home downstairs, you know, still getting evidence. And, um, they were kind of surprised to see that they were there. And I had to just take them into my room and close Mm -hmm. the door and sit them down and tell them, um, you know, how much I love them and how much, they are loved in general um, and that their dad has hurt their sister in a very uh, unacceptable way. Mm. And unfortunately they will never see him again. And I'm a kind of mom where I'm very honest. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to hide things from them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certain times, you know, with age, as age goes on, you know, I can explain more in detail if they ask me questions. Um, but at the time, uh, my son was 10, my other son was eight, almost nine, and mm-hmm. my youngest daughter had just turned four. So they were really, really young. Um, and there's only so much that their little brains could handle. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it was very sad, somber moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, my oldest son pretty much just melted to the floor with an agonizing, or 
like an agony type of cry mm-hmm. that just kind of came so like from deep within. Um, and he was really close with his father. He mm. was, if there is a favorite in the family, it was him. Um, and he questioned, you know, who am I now? I don't know who I am. I don't know what to do, mom. And at that moment, you know, I told him, I said, you have all of the good things from your father. Anything that was good in him, you have. Mm. And you have all of the good things from me. And that's who you are. And uh, you're going to be a good person. And you're going to do good things in your life, you know, and just trying to kind of reset that within himself. And he was able to collect himself and, you know, sit back up and, okay, okay, mom, you know, all right. And my other son, um, he was glad. He was happy that his father was gone. Mm. He no longer had to listen to his negativity or his um, demeanoring Mm -hmm. uh, conversations. So Mm -hmm. he was, okay, that's great. Wow. I'm glad, Mom. I'm glad he's gone. I don't ever want to see him ever again anyway. And uh, my youngest daughter, you know, she was okay with it too. Um, she just kind of sat in my lap, gave me hugs. And, um, for some reason they just understood the situation and knew that, you know, that we were going to be okay. And I, again, like I just kept reassuring to them that, you know, God has us in his hands that moving forward. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen, um, but it's going to be better. It has to be better. And um, and that's kind of when I introduced the whole team aspect of, mm-hmm. you know, yes, we're a family. We love each other. You're siblings. I'm your mom. But from here on out, moving forward, we are a team. And I need all my team players, you know, to be on this team. Mm-hmm. And when you say that to a child, you know, especially when they've been on teams before, they know, you know, whether it's a basketball team or baseball team or cheerleading, that team player, the team can't move forward or make goals or complete any kind of plays without the other team member. Mm -hmm. And um, so coming at them with that kind of mindset was a huge game changer moving forward. Mm -hmm. And, um, later in the day, I was able to get my oldest daughter back home. And, um, I explained this whole analogy of the team to her and she was, you know, totally on board and ready. Um, and, you know, being in that situation, it's hard to think clearly, like I mentioned before. Um, but somehow all of these things kind of came at me and I knew I had to just make it as simple as possible for them to understand and grasp. So, Mm -hmm. um, I think that was the best way to come at them with such devastating news. Mm -hmm. Um, and they understood immediately 
and they that's even to today we have team meetings it's not a family meeting it's a team meeting Mm -hmm. because i need everybody on board yeah so yeah Yeah. and i can see that being a really empowering message right Mm -hmm. that you know you're all you're all part of this ecosystem and you're all needing one another Um, yeah yeah i i love that that's that's awesome because when you think about it, like family, family is family. Mm-hmm. You know, you love your family because they're family. But not all families are able to have that support. Mm-hmm. But when you add in, you know, your team member, a team player, it just changes the whole mindset. Mm-hmm. And they knew I need, I was going to need their help that I couldn't do this on my own. Yeah, I am mom and moms do a lot, but I am also, you know, I'll be the team captain, mm-hmm. but I needed all, every single one of them to do their part as well. And so, yeah, they, they understood it. So it was good. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so great. Um, how did you take care of yourself during this time? Um, you know, it sounds like you had a very, you came to these conversations with your children, you know, in a very mindful, supportive way. Um, yet you're being honest with them, like you said, mm-hmm. but how, how are you doing during all of this? Um, it was really hard. Mm-hmm. I, the reality of being married to someone that was living a double life, um, was shattering. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone I thought I could trust uh, shook me mm-hmm. and made it really hard for me even to uh, trust anybody for a while. Right. Um, I had a lot of support, a lot of friends mm. um, that came over, you know, brought meals. Um, and one of them in Georgia uh, had started a a fund where people could, you know, put money into um, because I had no idea how we were going to make it. Mm-hmm. But um, I believed where there's a will, there's a way. And um, that fund kind of came to me as a surprise. I didn't know that was going on um, until like a week or two later. Um, but, you know, as far as taking care of myself, Um, I just, I would pray a lot and I cried a lot in the showers, Mm -hmm. um, cause that's where the water was and the kids couldn't hear me, you know, Mm -hmm. and I had a lot of heart aching cries, Mm -hmm. um, in the mornings, but, you know, having friends who were there to talk to was really, really beneficial. Uh, there was a time where. You know, I had to go get a protection order for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And I remember having one of my sisters and a really close friend of mine with me. And when it was my turn to talk to the judge, I literally couldn't talk. Um, I didn't even know what to say or how to say it. Or I kind of froze up. Um, and my friends were there to explain to the judge what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I was able to leave the courtroom and kind of collect myself 
and then come back in and try to speak of what I could. I stuttered the whole time, but, um, you know, just having those people there to back me up, uh, was huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the Kirkland police, De- uh, Kirkland police department, um, there as a huge support. Mm. I know a lot of times families don't have that, mm-hmm. but, uh, to this day, I have great friends that are on the, the task force, you know, mm-hmm. that, um, I've become close with through all of this. And, uh, they would, a group of them would always show up at hearings with, oh, wow. um, they even came to the sentencing in Seattle and filled the seats behind me Wow! as support. You know, they weren't there to talk, but they mm-hmm. were there to show support. Wow. Um, I had people, friends and family that, uh, when it was time for our sentencing, I had each of the kids write their goodbye letters. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to give this opportunity for them to have their say mm-hmm. and uh, also to have closure with saying goodbye mm-hmm. because they didn't have that. And um, three of my children wrote their goodbye letters. Um, my oldest daughter did not, mm-hmm. um, which was completely fine. Mm-hmm. And we knew we were going to be going into a possible trial. So she was going to have her say one way or another. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had friends and family that came and read each of my children's letters separately so that each letter had its own voice mm. so that it didn't just become, you know, like a monotone with yeah. me saying it. Um, I wanted it to be heartfelt. And Mm -hmm. I wanted the judge to hear, um, and she did. And given, you know, how we did that, um, and the judge seeing all this support, uh, was huge. And, um, it made my ex very upset. You know, he wanted to say his, his say, but, um, his attorney actually had told him, you know, you're not saying anything today, mm-hmm. um, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, having that support is huge. And having support even through Case Arc was huge. Um, and without that, we wouldn't be where we are today. I know that for a fact. Um, I think, too, just the kind of person I am. Um, I don't let fear control me. And as soon as he left our home, I knew that I didn't have to fear anymore. And so somehow that gave me the power within myself to, um, just keep moving forward and to just take one day at a time. You know, we had so many hearings that were coming up and because we had his case in King County um, and learning that, you know, he'd probably just kind of get a slap on the wrist kind of sentence, uh, given that this all started in a different state, Mm. I researched and found out that we could also have a case there, Mm -hmm. which we did. And um, so 
And in between it all, I had to file for divorce and he fought me on that divorce as well. So there was a lot of um, steps and parenting classes I had to take just for Mm -hmm. the divorce. Um, A lot of counseling, you know, for my children and myself. Um, It could be daunting Mm -hmm. and it could be really overwhelming and scary at the same time. Um, But I refuse to let fear take control. And I refused to give up um, and let him back in. Mm -hmm. So I knew I had to um, just take one day at a time. And there were even moments where I could only just focus on one hour or Mm -hmm. five minutes at a Mm -hmm. time. Um, Because, you know, handling four children and their needs, and just the regular day-to-day lives, you know, school and homework and um, any kind of activities um, was a lot. And so just, it was hard to give time for myself mm-hmm. or to even find that time. Um, but I got better at it as time went on. Mm-hmm. Good. And um, having the friends there for support was was huge. I've asked Heaven if she had any takeaway messages that she'd like to share for parents who are working through the process of parenting a child survivor of sexual abuse, and here they are. One of them I would say is uh, to give yourself grace. Because mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, you know, you're dealing with a lot. And it's very emotional and you're going to make mistakes. You know, life isn't perfect. And being a parent and going through this, it's not going to be perfect either. Um, And it's hard. But you have to remember to give yourself grace and know that um, this isn't forever. That tomorrow is a better day. and what you're going through is a season. And in each season, if you think of all the four seasons of a year, you know, there's, you know, you see flowers bloom and things grow and, um, and then they fade away. It's the same as any hard situation in your life, you know, and um, you're growing as a person through it and you're blooming. There's moments of blooming that, take you by surprise, but it's beautiful in the middle of it all. Um, and then there's, you know, things that disappear and, um, fall away and, and it could be hard and sad, but it's also, um, it's, it's just life and you learn from it. And so just knowing that this is just a season, um, that it will get better. And there is greener grass on the other side. Um, that I, I do know. You just got to take one step at a time. Don't run. Don't jog. You know, you're going to have to climb those really high mountains. And they're really hard to do. But um, don't look back. Just stay focused and stay, you know, just stay focused on what's ahead. Uh, one step at a time and um, you'll be okay. Um, and another one is to have faith. 
have faith in yourself that you can do this, that you are stronger than you think. Mm. Um, I know there's ups and downs in a situation like this, but believe in yourself that you can do this. Um, because just that little tiny mustard seed, you know, and if you, you give that to yourself, you know, it'll grow. And over time, you'll get stronger and stronger. And um, your children will see that too. And now, you know, looking back at my children, they are such strong individuals. And they stand up for their kids, you know, their friends, not the mm-hmm. kids, but their friends. Um, and they don't put up with anything. Mm-hmm. And they do look at you as their example. Um, but even when you fall, that too is a good example mm-hmm. because you're going to get right back up. You're going to put those bootstraps on. You're going to pull them up and you're going to keep going. And when your children see that, you know, that's, that's the real truth in it. You know, that's real life. And um, they're able to see when they fall that they can do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, uh, those are some, some takeaways that I would tell myself or tell someone who's going through this just to um, keep pushing forward and don't give up and uh, you'll get there. Building Resilience is a project of King County Sexual Assault Resource Center, or KSARC, located in Renton, Washington. KSARC works to provide direct services to all victims and survivors of sexual assault in King County, Washington. Visit our website at kcsarc.org and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at kcsarc, or send us an email at education at kcsarc.org. If you've experienced sexual assault or abuse, know that you are not alone. There are resources to support you in your healing process. There are a number of community sexual assault programs that are similar to KSARC around the country. Visit the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network at rainn.org to find resources near you. Thank you to Heaven Struthers Randall for the content in this episode, for Deanne Yamamoto for assistance with the content, and to our super producer, Logan Bessie, on editing, consulting, and mastering the audio, and for the immense support in making this project possible. Please subscribe to Building Resilience on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you find the show helpful, please spread the word and share it with a friend. Thank you.